Rebels, it's that time. Can you feel it? Are you ready to be a great parent? Do you want to feel like you're back on your honeymoon? Well, we believe in you and God believes in you. Rebels, it's time to join the rebellion. It's time for Rebel Parenting. What's up, Rebels? Hope you're having a great week. Good pod for you today. Our friend Kathy Koch is back on the podcast. You are not going to want to miss this one, especially because school is about to start. School's about to start. We want to talk to our kids. We want them to do well. Kathy Koch is there for us. All my friends in Oklahoma, on August 9th, next weekend, I'll be in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, speaking at the Culture Change Conference. Find out more at tbc-ok.com. That's Trinity Baptist Church, Bartlesville, pretty close to Tulsa. Hope to see you all there. Today's podcast is sponsored by Save the Storks at savethestorks.com. And Policy Genius, new sponsor, whoop, policygenius.com. I'll talk more about them in a moment, but it is a great organization. I think you're going to like them. Kathy Koch on the podcast today, start with the heart. How to motivate your kids to be compassionate, responsible, and brave even when you're not around. I love that part. How to be compassionate, responsible, and brave even when you're not around. That's what every parent wants. I mean, it's one thing for your kids to behave in front of you. It's another thing for them to be compassionate, responsible, and brave when you're not there looking over their shoulder. Kathy Koch is here for you. Here she is now on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. All right, Rebels, we are live. Dr. Kathy Cook back on the program today. We first found you on the DVD Connect and my goodness, it is so good. One, thank you for being back on the show today. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for inviting me to be back. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I remember interviewing you for the first time. Actually, I remember watching the DVD and being like, oh my goodness, we've got to interview Dr. Kathy Cook. Wow, oh wow. We need this <laughs> on the podcast. And then we interviewed you and it was so much better than we could yeah. have hoped. I had high expectations. It beat all those. So mm-hmm. it's great to have you back on. And I was just telling you this. I want to say this up front. Your new book is called Start With The Heart. How to motivate your kids to be compassionate, responsible, and brave. And then in parentheses, even when you're not around. That sold it for me. Like, even when you're not around. It's what everybody is thinking. It's like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I know you're going to do this when I'm here, like, most of the time. But, my goodness, you know, what if I'm not there? What if I'm not there to, like, look over your shoulder and give you the eyes? And that is so awesome. That is so – tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your practice and your experience because it really does show how much you know about this subject. Mm -hmm. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah, no, I really appreciate your endorsement and your enthusiasm Mm. for that. So uh, my ministry is called Celebrate Kids based in Fort Worth, Texas. I moved here from Green Bay, Wisconsin 28 years ago, which is just remarkable to think about. And I'm a public speaker and an author. So I enjoy going to homeschool conventions and churches and schools and pro-life events and community rallies and those kinds of things. And then when I'm not out with the microphone in my hand, I'm doing podcasts and radio and then writing the next great book, we hope. I just really, like you guys, passionate to help parents do this well. It's hard today. Mm-hmm. Culture's chaotic. People are messy. It isn't easy. Mm-hmm. And we got to stand strong and, and parent long and not be afraid of our children being angry with us because we've said no. Right, right. And mm-hmm. I just... Yeah, I just, I'm so grateful for parents who are doing it well, because it isn't easy. It's not, you know, can I ask, it feels to me like it's gotten harder. You know, I remember when my parents were writing books on parenting, 
and having friends, you know, even in the 80s and early 90s, I feel like culture still generally tried to point us in the right direction, you know, and if you keep going further and further back, mo- you know, the mass majority of culture pointed kids in the right direction, and it feels like today parents are just up against mainstream media and everything mm-hmm. on YouTube, and, you know, there's... um. I won't say who it is, but a friend of mine was t- saying that his daughter likes watching. There's a YouTuber with 16 million followers, and it's a boy who does makeup tutorials. Oh, uh, yes. He gets more views than every mainstream television show in history. More than news, more than sitcoms, more than rom-coms, more than all. 16 million followers. Well, his daughter thinks it's hilarious, and he's like, but it influences her. She thinks this is a normal, okay, this is just, some people are like this. And it's like, well, some people are. It doesn't mean mm. it's the best thing for you. Is it harder to be a parent in 2019 than it was 20 years ago and 30 years ago? Oh, absolutely. And I think um, partly because of the media, as you're saying, the negative influences, you know, I, I, my joke line is that I used to watch a show called Father Knows Best. Yeah. And he, <laughs> he did know what's best. And today there are shows, of course, with no men or the men are portrayed to be idiotic. And then you add mm. to that the social media and the texting and the songs on the devices that kids are listening to and watching that we don't know they're mm. um, being influenced by. And then I think the other big thing that's so different from when your dad was so, you know, so valuable to all of us was that there's no authority now. There was back in the day a black and white authority, you know, whether you were raised in church or not, I think there was an understanding of this is right, this is wrong, this mm. is good, this is evil. And, you know, everybody that I paid attention to, babysitters, people in my home, people I hung with, my public school teachers, we were all pretty much on the same, at the same understanding, right? And now you've got, I can't even say, Ryan, to a young person, you know, well, the Bible says. Right. Because yeah. look at me, well, I'm going to go find me a church that will teach me a different thing about the Bible because yep. I know they're there. Yep. Mm. yep. Wow, that is fascinating. Well, that is fascinating. There really isn't. There was a general thought of right and wrong. And yep. today, like I just saw a presidential hopeful. I don't even have to mention her name. The presidential hopeful. And they were saying, she was saying that we, she feels that prisoners and felons ought to be given the right to vote again. And he said, so you think the Boston bomber ought to be given the right to vote. And she said, well, I think we should have that conversation. And I was like, what? Like, that's an insane, insane... Who cares what a terrorist thinks about our next president? Who cares? And yet we've got, you know, our representatives saying, well, I think we should think about that. I think we ought to talk about that. We ought to have that conversation. No, we shouldn't have that conversation. That's a dumb conversation to have. We shouldn't have it. But essentially... Everything goes. Whatever it is you think you want to believe, you can find a group online that will agree with you on that. I mean, even up to flat earth, there's a bunch of flat earthers. Who would have thought? Yeah, who would have thought? Tell me how you really feel. Yeah, Um, I know. Yeah, and and that's why, you know, my book has character qualities in the subtitle, and that's why I begin the book there because that we've got to come back where that's the standard and that's the firm foundation is the word of God. And then within each of us, our firm foundation that should never shift is who we are in the dark, in the light, with mom and dad, watching with the threat of punishment, a carrot on the stick as a reward, or at a neighbor's house with no possibility of, of getting that. So, Dr. Kathy, do you think 
you said that there's no authority now today. Do you think the authority has shifted or there's just no authority? Do you think that it's possibly come social media or friends or things of that nature? Because I see a lot of kids being disrespectful to their parents, and I would have never been that way with my folks. Oh, my goodness. Right? Yes. Right. I got to say, that is something that we've talked about regularly, and our neighbors talk about it, and our friends group talk about it. And the way... And, and I'm, t- I'm saying these are well-intentioned parents. These are present, in-their-face parents. Involved. I think it's well-intentioned bad parenting. And you've got <laughs> really disrespectful kids. They say things I would never in a million years yeah. have said to any parent, regardless of who they were. For sure. But it's that there is no, there's no view of authority. There's no, there's no thought like, oh, Adam Curl was just talking about, they were... Um, Building a new house, a brand new white carpet, and one of his daughter's friends was roller skating on the brand new white carpet. And he was like, I would have never done that. And he was like, hey, take the roller skates off. And the kids looked at him like, really? Oh, okay, I guess. It's like, what happened to that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great question. I think all of us choose our authority, right? It's yes. your dad on a day when you like what he's going to tell you to do. And it's not your dad tomorrow when he's in a bad mood so you don't approach him because he's going to say no mm. because we're not brave uh, and courageous parenting or parents. And I think it's, you know, this social media star, it's this red carpet moment, you know, starlet, if you will. So you're right that there is authority out there. I think we look for the authority that we want because we want to ultimately do what we want because mm. we're self-centered, we're selfish, we're, you know, falling into ourselves, of course, and that's the whole screen dynamic which negatively affects motivation, which again is why I wrote the book. Partly when I look at the lack of authority, the ease of technology, Siri on the phone, you can spell check, copy and paste, everything is easy. (laughs) So you know what? Our kids don't want to persevere. They don't want to be diligent. They don't want to be responsible. They don't want to show initiative. They want mom and dad to nag them because it's just easier than them having a brain. Mm. No. Wow. The easier, softer way, but not really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I could also say, and this won't make anybody like me, but I don't compromise truth to be popular. You know, the other thing, and I think the two of you will agree with me, we have a lot of adults without Christian character. We have a lot of adults who are self-centered, a lot of adults who are impatient. All of us are more impatient than we used to be because of click of the mouse and the GPS and the, you know, microwave or whatever. And so it isn't easy for parents to hold their children to account when they themselves are recognizing their own issues because hypocrisy has never worked and it doesn't work today. Mm -hmm. So our parents willing to step up to the plate and be right and do right and apologize and work to discover something that's more. We're we're called to an abundant life. Mm -hmm. We're called to so much more than this, but we're satisfied with mediocrity and it's just, it breaks me. It just saddens me. It does. You know, let's talk about some of the points in here. Talk about raising kids that are resilient and they're survivors, they're not victims. And it feels like this culture today, everyone is a victim of something. You know, it's, I'm really surprised. I, you know, we know Dennis Prager and Dennis Prager and Adam Carolla have a movie coming out called No Safe Spaces. And I am stunned by this concept of safe spaces on a campus where if a Ben Shapiro or a Jordan Peterson or a Dr. Kathy comes to your school and talks, this is what that concept is. There's somebody on campus that might be saying something I disagree with. I don't know because I'm not in that room. And so I have to go to a room with a counselor 
to process my feelings and emotions about something that may or may not be happening. It's not like I was in a lecture and someone brought up all these things that I don't know if I agree with and I'm trying to process it with someone that I feel is wise. It's maybe something's going on. I don't know. I'm not there. But the thought that someone might be saying something I disagree with, I now have to process that with a counselor. I just think, what happened? It doesn't, it's so foreign to me, and yet that is mainstream American universities and colleges. Mm. Yeah, why are we afraid of opposing thoughts? Yes. You know, one of the things I would say, and this is, this is a whole other book to write, we have not taught our young people how to defend, how to stand up, how to move from an opinion to a fact we haven't helped them learn to defend while honoring others who disagree, right? Mm, you yeah, know, yeah the, the debate, for sure. Arguing, it's, again, that's part of the mess. Are we doing that well? Are they observing us handle that well? You know, when we see somebody on TV, we're mad at, do the kids know? Oh, yeah, they know. You know, so yeah, resiliency, thanks for bringing that up. A lot of research, as you know, that, dem- that shows that resiliency is a key quality for especially today's children. The choice to bounce back quickly from trauma defeat turmoil it's a choice it starts as a behavior and then it becomes a part of your character the more that you learn to do it Mm. and you know what if we don't let our kids struggle in our home learn what happens if you spill the milk learn what happens if you cheat learn what happens if you lie if we don't help them overcome trauma in the safety of our home oh my goodness they will crash and burn out there Mm. and that's what's happening because parents have not allowed kids to experience what it feels like to be in the minority or whatever the case might be um, they're struggling big time, and it's that's part of the mess. Hmm. So, can you talk about some examples and some ways yeah. we can do that? Like, so we have a family friend, and they were talking to us, and their daughter was going to go to a party, and the girls whose party it was hurt her feelings, and so they're not going to go to that party, but the parents are going to take her and a couple friends out instead, and they're wondering, you know. One, we don't want her to go and get her feelings hurt in front of a bunch of other kids. And are we doing the right thing? Do we need to force a young child into a situation where they might get their feelings hurt? They may be embarrassed publicly. You know, there's, I struggle with that. I have fear of that. Like, am I doing the right thing? Am I coddling? Am I asking, you know, enough of them? Am I not asking enough of them? Yeah, legitimate questions for sure. I would never, I I think it would be very rare that I would recommend you put a child in a position of being embarrassed publicly. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that we've got to be available to their heart cry, available to help them process. Why were you hurt? Did you exaggerate? Was it really that big of a deal? Mm. Did you interpret it rightly? I mean, I think that's where we can go. Maybe we even call the adult who was in the room to say, can you tell me what you saw happen? Because I want to make sure my child, you know, isn't exaggerating, isn't, if you will, you know, a baby about it, yeah. but is yeah. able to handle it rightly. Maybe we invite one or two. I like actually that they went out and they let that girl have a happy moment. Maybe we take the girl that she was concerned she'd be embarrassed by and another friend and invite them over for pizza and a movie on Friday night so that in the safety of our home, we observe our daughter interacting with the girl that she had red flagged as a problem to see is she kind, is she considerate, is she compassionate. And then um, I love it when a child doesn't want to be hurt, right? Mm -hmm. That says that child knows she has value. That child knows that she's a person of worth and does not deserve to be treated Mm. with disrespect, Mm -hmm. with hate and hurt. So it's a good sign if you're parenting a child who doesn't want to be hurt. And the other thing that I think is really important, you guys, is that we help our children analyze who should we give a second chance to. Mm. So, for instance, if there was a 
embarrassed her and spoke badly, exaggerated, gossiped or something. Was that rare? Like, did that was that girl normally other centered and kind and compassionate and considerate and what you would call a good friend? And so was she having a bad day? Was she influenced by a friend that she was trying to be cool with? And can we quickly forgive and give that child another chance? Or is that friend really not a friend and consistently behaving toward us in a bad way? And then why would we put ourselves under that person's authority or, you know, friendship circle friendship. again? Mm-hmm. That's what we do as adults, right? Yeah. You know, give that person a second chance or don't we? Is this a consistent behavior or was it a surprise? I think that's part of discernment that's really important to teach kids. I agree. I really do. That's an interesting one. Someone was asking me about that. There was another adult that had done something pretty nasty and I said, and they were really hurt by it. And they weren't sure what to do. And I said, well, you have to ask yourself, do you still want to have a relationship with them? And they were like, no. I'm like, well, then don't talk to them. Who cares? Move on. Don't have the conversation. <laughs> it probably won't go that well anyway. I do wonder, though, if as people of faith, sometimes we think, oh, well, we have to reconcile with everyone. We have to give everyone second chances. We have to try to be friends with everyone And I think what you're saying is some people aren't safe to be friends with. Some people you have to understand, I need a higher level of boundary with that person because Mm. they're just not that safe to be around. I think so. And I I think I don't envy parents trying to, again, navigate that. Um, How do we have those conversations? I think in my life, there are many times when I have gone to a person and said, here's an example. I used to have dinner regularly with someone and I had to stop. And now we rarely get together. And the reason was she's such a pessimist. Whenever I would say to her, how are you doing? She would say, I'm vertical, which means I'm not in the grave yet. I mean, her answer every day was, at least I'm still alive. I'm vertical. I'm like, oh, my goodness. She was constantly complaining, constantly the glass is half empty. And so I didn't like who I became when I was with her. Mm. And I felt the pessimism stay with me way longer than was appropriate. And that's my baggage to carry. But I finally had to say to her, you know, I value you and I value us. But I've worked with you for a long time about your pessimism and your complaining and your negativity. And I I just can't afford, I can't, I can't go there. Mm. And, uh, you know, let me know if you feel that you're changing. And if you're ever open to instruction, like I'm not going to complain and gossip about you. I'd I'd be happy to help you if you're open to that. And that's rare. I haven't always done that where I've been that honest. But I felt like she deserved knowing Otherwise, you know what we do? We unfriend. We yeah. just unfriend and walk just away. And it just doesn't necessarily help anybody. Hmm. That's really interesting because you talk about that in the book. You talk about the three motivational beliefs for kids. I have value, learning matters, and my future can be bright. And that's what that person was struggling with of just, I don't see any hope in the future. I don't see any brightness in the future. I'm vertical. I'm not dead yet. Everything's rotten. Everyone's out to get me. Everything, you know, that kind of a thing. And I think sometimes parents who feel that way teach that to their kids, that no matter what you do, the world's against you, you know, and you can't Mm -hmm. get a leg up. And that's a really negative thing to teach a child. Yeah. Oh, my goodness, you guys. And there's actually research, you've maybe seen it, that shows from MRIs that it changes your brain structure if you're a constant complainer. And so we're here, you know, talking about motivation. First of all, oh, my goodness, you guys, if you're a believer, well, like I get an occasional bad day and I understand that negativity can seep in. I do get that. A critical spirit can enter in for a while. Let's hope we recognize it, rebuke it, ask for forgiveness and deal with and be back in the word and find out why have we become negative. Because if you're a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you've been called to an abundant life, and you've been saved and sanctified, and hello, 
we just can't reside in that space. Yes. It, does, it doesn't honor God. Mm. It doesn't honor God. And I would say if you're parenting from, and I understand again, and so do you guys, concern, fear, wondering about my kid's future, you know, will they even graduate at the end of the year or whatever? Like I get that. Will they make the first team soccer team that they're dying to make? It isn't easy today. But if we're negative about our tomorrows and they hear us all the time, there's no money for dessert. There's no money for vacation. We don't even have time to go to the park. You know, we had another kid and now she's on the way. Oh, my goodness. You're not going to be motivated for success or motivated for joy if you're surrounded by you know that quicksand and that it drags you down, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I think we have a responsibility to hear it and not want to stay there because we. I know what I know that a belief about my tomorrows enhances my joy and motivates me toward an expectation that I will be better, do better, and that tomorrow can be a better day. Mm. So for you, you wrote about a little bit about forgiving quickly and others. I'm kind of backtracking. What would you say to the parent that maybe is struggling to forgive, walk in forgiveness in their own life, and then they're trying to teach it to their children, Mm. and there's just Uh this gaping hole or these struggles, and they're seeing like, Mm. oh, yeah, Mm. I am living in this scarcity conversation. What do I do? How do I break through this to really reach my children and not have them maybe have the same fruit I have in my own life? Way to ask an easy question. Yeah. Um, you know, the first place that I go as I listen to your heart mm. is to recognize when something is hard for us to do, there probably is something internal going on there. Most parents I work with and minister to want to be the best and do the best. They don't want their kids to carry any unnecessary baggage, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So when something's hard for us, forgiveness, mercy, grace, truth, whatever it might be, yeah. with humility to look inside and, you know, is there a dad moment we haven't forgiven? Yeah. You know, parents might be deceased and you've never heard what you wanted to hear. Can you, can you be okay with that? Can you choose to move beyond that out of concern for the current family? Again, I don't say that lightly, um, but I, I love your heart that we would go inside that we would want the best for ourselves and for those who we're ministering to within our own home. The family bond is so significant, whether that be marriage or or kids or even the parents who are still alive above us, siblings, cousins, oh my goodness. And you know what? It's an act of the will, right? It's a, forgiveness is something, it's not an option. (laughs) When I I read the Bible, I don't see an out, you know, forgive, accept. Um, I don't say that's easy. But I know it's right. Yeah, I know it's right. And you know what else, you guys? To know in the knowing of your knowing, to say it out loud, I forgive my dad for X. Like to verbally, I think to verbalize it and get it out into the light is really important. And to to name, like for sinning against me, yeah, that's okay. But can you name the sin? Mm-hmm. I, think that, I think that increases the power. I think it helps you know that you have done that. And you're not going to feel instantly changed necessarily. Although I know some people who tell me there's an instant light or lightness, right? The, the yeah, burden is sure. shifted. I have witnessed that. Yeah. yeah that's so cool. And even if that doesn't happen, that don't doubt God. Mm. Don't doubt that. No, no, maybe there's a splinter. Maybe there's something like, here's an example. I've had a lot of people repent of anger, but what they didn't do is repent of jealousy or of, 
their competitive spirit and they were, you know, they didn't get all the pieces, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, that's a whole, I mean, you guys. Sure, sure. You know, but, right? you know, what you're saying is anger was the symptom of jealousy or, you know, one of those types of things. Absolutely. So how would you encourage a younger child to change their beliefs if they're stuck in a negative cycle? You know, some kids, you know, they just get stuck on, you know, either nobody likes me or I'm not worthy or valuable. And at that age, it's hard as a parent because you're just like, mm-hmm. oh, no, you're great. But when they're stuck in that, how do you encourage children stuck in negative patterns to pull out of that? Yeah. Oh, great question. If you don't mind, let me start with what the parents can do. Yeah. So the cheerleader compliment is, you know, you were great. You're fabulous. I know you can do it. No. Why do you know they can do it? So, you know, look at this paper. It's very similar to yesterday. It only has five more problems than yesterday's paper. And yesterday, I timed it. It took you 22 minutes. It wasn't that big of a deal. Stop expecting that it's going to ruin your day and you know, mm. get started. So do we have evidence? I think the phrase, I know because, is really powerful. I, I know yeah. you can do this because. Because evidence doesn't lie. Yeah. You're, you're becoming a more creative writer because I counted the number of adjectives in your paper. And there were 17 adjectives. And they allowed me to see the pictures as I read your paper, and I enjoyed it so much more. Mm. And I've been teaching you that you write for the reader, and your adjectives prove that you're getting it. I'm so proud of you for remembering to choose, right? So I'm empowering the kid to know that there were decisions he or she was making that resulted in that better performance. That's where the parent steps in, and we need to be very clear. There's a whole chapter, as you know, on complimenting and correcting because – that's such powerful language mm-hmm. rather than, you know, good job or rather than I don't want any more of that attitude. Mm. And then the thing that like I don't believe we should allow children to lie. If a child lies in our presence. So if you're if your son or daughter says, man, I'm never going to amount to anything. I'm just such an idiot. Yeah. And your child knows that you heard that and you don't say anything. Well, they think you what? Believe, believe it. it. Yeah. Compliant. You know, maybe in the moment you can't enter into that because there's siblings or a mother-in-law or a neighbor or a babysitter there. I get that. But at some point, bedtime at the latest, you sit, you know, you go, Sarah, whoa, earlier today, I heard you say that you think you're never going to amount to anything and that you're an idiot. Tell me about that. Mm. Well, mom, I made seven mistakes on what was a simple test. Well, tell the truth. I made seven mistakes I should not have made. That doesn't mean you're stupid. Yeah. Did you forget there was a quiz? Were you arrogant and prideful and therefore didn't study deep? Mm-hmm. Again, well, you know what? It takes more time. Yes. That's what it we takes keep more hearing. Inten- it takes more intentionality. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. But this is love, right? This and it's is worth it. It's is. super, super worth it. Love is in the Absolutely. details. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, Absolutely. Love is in the details. And that's something that you just said. Don't just tell your kid they're great. Tell them why. I did a uh, this child temperament test for Lincoln, and that was one of the things that stood out to me is, hey, when you compliment your kid to another person, go tell them you did it. And I, I went in and told Lincoln, hey, I was just telling someone the other day, and I told him who it was, that when you did da-da-da-da, I was so proud of you, and this is why I was proud of you. And I saw, it was one of those things where I was like, oh my goodness, I just loved you and you felt it. I see that. I see the look (laughs) on your face. You just felt my love. Like that's what we're desperate to do as parents. And that's what you just said. I know because, I know you're amazing because this. I know you're getting better because this. I know you're not, you know, worthless because these things. When you tell them specifically, it's not just, oh, you're amazing, you're great. 
Here's why. Mm -hmm. Here's specifically why I think you're beautiful, talented, fast, smart, funny, talented, whatever it is. Those specifics really do sink into your kids. Mm -hmm. Exactly, because specific language is memorable. Yes. You know, and what's really powerful about that, if you tell a child, you know, you're creative and here's why, or you're talented and here's the proof. Now, when you're not there, they're at grandma's or they're at school or they're at a homeschool co-op or, you know, you're sick and in bed that day. They're going to, in their head, they're going, wait, dad said I'm creative, so I should be able to figure this out. Or mom said I'm patient. She just told me that's not I'm patient. So I think I will be able to wait for grandma and not get mad at her because she walks so slow. You know, that's one of my favorite examples. Kids are like, grandma walks so slow. I'm like, oh, get over it. Um, but, <laughs> you know, it's specific language um, that's very empowering. And you know what, you guys? That's when they feel known. Mm. I mean, oh, love is powerful. Yeah. Absolutely. But there's no child alive that wants to be invisible. Yeah. They want to know that my mom knows me and I even think my mom likes me. Yeah. Like they say to me sometimes, like they have to love me. They don't have a choice. You know, the Bible says they have to love me. But, you know, I actually think my mom likes me. Mm. That's so powerful. And that comes from your choice to invest with the language that you offer your children. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love too. I think parents have the ability or the right, as you might say, we get to share and say like, hey, I've known you since you were a little kid. I know that you can do this because I've seen you at one. I've seen you at two. I've seen you learn how to ride a bike. I've seen, you know, we have the gift of perception that maybe our children don't really have. Mm. And as parents, we're like, wait, I've seen you up until this point, and I've seen you express courage when you had to do that, when you had to do that, just to reinforce who they're becoming. I love That's, what you're talking about, mm. making that distinction. Oh, yeah, thank you, and I love that. And let me put something out on the table. I'd love your reaction to this. It is not prideful for a child to know their strengths. Mm. Like, I still find an occasional parent who will say, but you know, won't it create my child, you know, too much pride if they know that they're creative and talented and patient and outgoing and generous and yada, yada. You know what? Pride is of the devil. Pride is a very dangerous thing. But if children don't know what they can do, they may not do anything. Mm -hmm. Right. And if children don't know that they were created with gifts in advance, Ephesians 2.10, and if they don't know that their character is is solid right now in these ways, then they doubt. They doubt their todays and they doubt their tomorrows and then they fall and, and they crumble. So we should not be afraid of specifically affirming our children's strengths. Now, And we can say God was good and generous when he created you. And we can say things like, yeah. you know, you like I like the word being like you are being organized, which is very different from you are organized. <laughs> no, you're not always organized. You're not, it's not a 100% guarantee. So you just chose to be organized and therefore... Math started without trauma because you had all of your stuff easily within reach. Proud of you. Yeah. Mm. Right? So let's not be afraid of affirming their strengths. Now, they need to know their weaknesses or their challenges so that they know what to work on and they know how they might hurt someone. But you know what? It really angers me when I meet children who I interview and all they know is what they cannot do. Yeah. 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 Mm. They're not going to be motivated right. to step up to the plate and to serve. Mm or to choose to invest in a sibling or to believe that a better grade or is possible or that they can sweep out the garage better and not anger dad next time. Mm -hmm. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more Rebel Parenting. 
Rebels, I am so stoked to introduce you to PolicyGenius.com, our brand new sponsor. What? Policy Genius. Policy Genius finds life insurance for you. When I quit my last job, one of the biggest headaches I had was finding insurance and not knowing where to go or what to choose. Policy Genius takes two minutes to go through the survey. They compare all the top insurers and then give you a choice of which one you want. It's just like finding airline tickets. You don't just go to one site and look at one airline. You type in your flight and it gives you tons of different airlines and all the different flight options. That's what PolicyGenius.com does for you. So if you need life insurance but you don't want to deal with all the legwork, head to PolicyGenius.com. It's the easy way to compare all the top insurers and find the best value for your family. I've done it. Laura's done it. It gives us peace of mind knowing my family is going to be taken care of. It's policygenius.com. Welcome back to Rebel Parenting. Did you miss us? Dr. Kathy, what are some of the ways we can teach kids to push themselves, you know, to rise to the occasion or to... You know, what we want is our kids to, you know, yes, I can get a B really easily, but I'm going to try harder for the A. You know, it's everybody will accept the B. The B is acceptable. It's good enough. But how do we teach our kids that better is better than good enough? Mm. Yeah, I love that. There's good, better, and best. Absolutely. We need to be there providing the boundaries, the training wheels. I think we need to be in the room. My parents... They were, they were great parents, not perfect, but great parents. They were in the room when Dave and I studied. They didn't just ask about the test score, they asked about the homework. Mm. And they didn't just you know, go to your room and get that done. They were, they were present, whether we were practicing an instrument or you know, at a track meet or working on biology or science or German or whatever. So to pay attention to progress and to give the evidence that you know, this was your choice to improve, proud of you. And you know what kids are afraid of? Kids are afraid that if I earn an A, they're gonna think I can earn an A every day. Mm. Right. And so one of the things that I think parents can do is, first of all, don't be shocked at the A. Like when they come home, you got an A. Uh, I mean, <laughs> that's just because you know, you're not capable of that, you were lucky. And by the way, don't ever say you got an A because they earned the A mm. with the choices they made. They weren't given but an a. a, they earned it. Oh, yeah. Right. Language is very, and you earned your C. Yeah. By the choice to not study, the choice to not ask for clarification, the choice to hurry so you could game. Vocabulary is really important. So I think one way that we encourage them to, to strive for something better is to not necessarily expect it every time. They might, right? I mean, even if you guys think back to your childhood, we might go A, B, A, A, B, B plus A, 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 A. And because the lessons change, the teacher changes, we change, that, that's just life. Sure. Yeah. So not panic when they slip back with some negative behavior or negative uh, choices. And then I think to help them recognize again that you know it's because you took your time and were careful that you earned the better grade. Mm. So that next week when they have another quiz or another test or another paper to write, they can think back and go, well, I wasn't lucky last week. Um, Dad reminded me that I asked him for help when I was confused. I looked up unknown words. I did the rough draft like the teacher suggested. Even though it took more work, it was beneficial. And they began to understand that there are strategies and processes that we use that result in better performances. Mm. I like that. That's I like awesome. That. I struggle with that. I got really bad grades all through my scholastic career. And so I tend to not put as much weight on grades. 
And I think in a way what I may have done is not been able to compliment my kids when they do well, when they did earn good grades, because my attitude really is, well, it doesn't matter if you're doing, if you're trying hard, then whatever grade you get is fine. Instead of saying, hey, you really did try hard. You really went above and beyond, Mm -hmm. you know, for those good ones. And you also earned the lower ones as well you know, in a situation. Hmm, hmm, I think hmm. the balance of sharing both sides. I love that you made the distinction of, no, you have earned this, that you are responsible for what you're creating in the world. Yeah. And if we can teach our children to do that, I think we've done a successful job. For sure. Kathy, let me ask Uh, you this one. This will relate to me, but I think it will relate to a lot of parents out there. I was incredibly, incredibly ADD. I still am. I didn't grow out of that. I, you know, when my dad was getting his PhD, what they taught them was when kids go through puberty, they no longer are ADD anymore. <clears throat> and we know that not to be true. So whereas I tested very, very high when we did, you know, uh, all student testing, my grades were very, very low. I really struggled getting good grades at all largely due to being ADD, and yet I'm embarrassed of my grades today. I was always ashamed of the grades I got. What do we do for the kid that does, like I have a learning disability in math, so I will generally get bad grades in math, no matter, I mean, I had tutors, it didn't matter. Mm -hmm. I just got bad grades in that. What do we do for the kids to encourage them to try their best and to know how to accept a lower grade when it's just how it's going to be? Hmm. Great question. Children want us to answer that question. It made um, me not want to try. You know what I mean? Like I was getting bad grades. It was like, why am I trying? Why am I even in this yeah. place at all? I just felt helpless. And what I needed though was you may not get the best grade. We still need you to try anyway. Well, and yes, and learning is possible even without an earned good grade. Like I'm all about what have you learned? Mm-hmm. There are a lot of kids who can answer questions if their questions are asked differently. You know, if they would have been allowed to draw the truth or write an essay rather than, you know, multiple choice or multiple choice instead of an essay or just look at the teacher and for five minutes talk about what we've been doing in class lately. So a lot of kids who know a whole lot, they can't prove what they know because the system is broken. And Ryan, you know, your evidence, you're very successful. (laughs) And what I would say to parents, and I don't say this lightly, if your child is capable of an A, your child should earn an A. If your child is capable of a B, you better celebrate the B because if you don't, it will become a C. Mm. And one of the quickest ways for children to feel unknown and unloved is for us to keep saying, you can do better, you can do better, you can do better. And the kids look at me and go, what's the proof? Yes. Yeah. You guys are going to hear, I'm going to tell you a tragic story. So I'm 6'1", I'm tall. I tell a story when I'm with children that... I was too tall as a kid, but now I'm cool tall. And I had a junior in high school, a very large, a tall basketball player come up to me and he's going to ask you a question. And I thought he was going to ask me about height. And he, but he said, this is what he said, you guys. He said, um, lady, um, did your parents ever ask you to be short? And I, I wasn't sure I understood him. And I said, excuse me. And he goes, I was just wondering, did they ever pray that you would be short or ask you to be short? And I said, well, no. That wouldn't have, it wasn't possible. They knew I would be tall. And he said, well, I think I'm a permanent C student, like you're permanently tall. And they keep asking me to earn a B. And then as the tears formed, he said, will they love me like your parents love you? So I think one of the hardest things for parents to do is to grieve what isn't and accept what is. Yes. You wanted an A student in math because you're an accountant. You didn't get one. They're created in God's image, not yours. And it's not about you being happy all the time. 
<laughs> and I don't say that lightly, and I pray yeah. it comes across well. You wanted a soccer star, you got a ballerina who doesn't care about balls, get over it. It's not about you being happy. You raised the children you were given, not the children you wish you had. Mm-hmm. You grieve what isn't, accept what Listen, is. Listen, you got to say that you- again. Yeah. Because that one stood out That's to us powerful. in the book. You raise the children you have, not the ones you wish you had. Is, you're, right. You I, what I'd say is. Raise the children you were given, not the children that you wish you yes. had. Yes, 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 yes. Powerful. I tell you what, Dr. Kathy, for me specifically, that really, really stands out. I'm adopted. Until Lincoln was born, I had never known another person I'm biologically related to. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to know if we would be alike. Will you look like me? Yeah. Will you sound like me? Will you like the things I like? Will you like the music I like? Will you skateboard? Will you not skateboard? Will you, you know, will we be alike? I just wanted to be like another person. The problem was, in my zest to be like someone else i was inadvertently telling him he wasn't good enough on his own Uh, and i think sometimes you know parents experience loneliness as well and they want to be a part of a group they want to be like somebody else they want to be friends with their kids Mm -hmm. you know not just when they're young but what later on as well and it took me a while to figure out. I got a great kid. I mean, I really, really have a great kid, regardless of if he does anything like I've done it in the past or not. I've got a great kid. And, you know, like, my dad loved watching sports on TV. I couldn't stand watching that. There's nothing wrong with grieving something that you hoped you would have with your kid that you don't. Mm-hmm. It's just not their fault, necessarily. Yeah. Bingo. It's no one's fault. I love that. Absolutely. You know, and this is evidence, again, that we shouldn't rely on our children to be our friends. So go find somebody else to watch basketball with on TV or whatever. You know, and and every parent has a right to want a child like them. Like, I totally get that. Totally. It's just not a guarantee because the joke is they're made in God's image, not yours. Mm -hmm. And God is everything. So there's so much that they can be that we're not. And and I think there's a completeness to the family that occurs or a complimenting there that occurs perhaps. But I think, you know, that student or that boy who said, you know, will they ever love me if I keep earning C's? I think this is where, you know, as a parent, what's the evidence your child can do better? Do you really have evidence or is it a wish? And wishing it so won't make it so. Yes. So what's your evidence? And if you have evidence because of what happened with a different teacher or what happened in a different chapter of the book or what happens when they're around their tutor versus when they're around you, if you have evidence of character and academics and athletics and, you know, chore completion or whatever, when grandma's there, they get all their chores done without whining. When you're there, they whine. Hello. Then that's an issue they have with you. And if you can. And you know what we got to do? Let's take pictures. Let's use our phone and take proof. Look, you're capable of doing that. Why aren't you doing it now? Yeah. Wow. So really challenge the kids. And if they're old enough, you know, to let them say, hey, it scares me to perform with you. Mm. As a student, like the best example I have, you guys, everywhere I go, kids will say to me, you know, Dr. Kathy, I can make my bed, but I don't want to make my bed. Because if I make my bed, they're going to make me make it every day. Yes. <laughs> you know, right? Totally. Okay, so let me ask you that. Yes, and... Okay, so you make your bed every day. Like, how do you deal with that? You know, if I make my bed one day, they'll make me make it every day. Well, maybe you should make your bed every day. Like, we just had someone talking about Jocko Willink, the Navy SEAL, and he says, you know, you get up and you make your bed because it's the right thing to do, because it'll make you better, you know, all those types of things. So where do you draw the line? Like, with my mom, 
she desperately wanted my bed to be made. And for me, being super binary, black and white, you know, it was like, but I'll mess it up tonight. It just seems silly. No one's coming over. No one's going to see it. Like, my room would be messy and my door would be shut. And I'd go, but you don't even see it. And she'd say, but I know it's messy. I know it's a disaster. And I go, who cares? You don't see it. But I know it's that way. Our compromise was I had a bedspread on my bed and nothing underneath it. No sheets, no nothing like that. I had a sleeping bag in my closet and I would pull it out at night, sleep in my sleeping bag. I'd put it back in the closet in the morning, put the bedspread back on. It looked like it was made. She was happy. I was happy. How do we come to those compromises or encourage kids? You can make your bed and you ought to every day. It will mm-hmm. make you better later in life. Oh, so good. I think we have to honor our parents. I think if a mom wants uh, the room a certain way, we find a way to make that happen. I would say to parents, choose your battles. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Thank there's you. a whole lot of more important things to spend our energy mm-hmm. on. Uh, we're all busy. We're all overwhelmed. The pace of our culture is so fast. Yeah. Here's where I would go, guys. I think this would be my policy. There's a standard of excellence, and this is what it is, okay? And you define that, you demonstrate it, you show it. But here's the thing. If you're going to have a friend over, then your room has to be mom standard. Mm. And, you know, you don't have a friend over until your room is mom standard, which means the toys are put away so they're not stepped on, uh, the clothes are where they belong, and the bed is made, and whatever that means. But if there's no friend coming over this week, you know, I'm gonna give you grace, because it is your space. You know what, Ryan, children tell me all the time, Dr. Kathy, lady, they'll go, that's my only space. Mm. Yeah. Like, mom and dad have a, they have, like, they have seven rooms. And not all of their rooms are neat. Like mom has stuff <laughs> over the floor in the den or, you know, I've seen the pile of books by dad's bed. He's got all this stuff on his table by his bed. Why can't I, I only have one room. Why can't I have it be my room? Sure, mm, sure. I yeah. like that. And there's, I think there's some truth yeah, there. Sure, sure, sure. And maybe the compromise is, okay, that's fine. And once a week we need it brought back to you know, maybe it's not my standard, but it's a standard that we both agree on. You know, by Sunday night before the school day starts, then we're going to have your room back to blah, blah, blah. Or if a friend comes, I love the if a friend comes over, or yeah, if we have I company coming over, mom and dad want to show a good house, you know, that type of thing. So it's not this overwhelming, I can't even imagine, you know, every single day Daily. doing on top of everything else I already feel pressure for. I've got to meet this standard that I don't agree with. I don't know why we're doing it. You know, that that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. There's two other things I can say quickly. One is that in the dark, I have to be able to get from the door to the head, your head, to make sure you're alive and breathing mm-hmm. without stepping on any Legos. Yeah. You know, so build me a path before you go to bed. You know, build me a path on the carpet yeah. so I can get from the door to your pillow and make sure you're alive. And I think that's I think that's totally legit. And the other thing I think that's important here is that it's a stewardship issue, right? Yes. We steward our time, we steward our stuff. And one of the reasons we do our laundry and we fold our clothes and we put them where they belong and we make sure we take care of our toys is because we are going to steward God's money and we take care of our things Mm. uh, because there are many people who don't have what we have, et cetera. And so if you want to teach your children values and how to care for things, that's how it starts. Oh, Oh, man, I love that. Man, that's fantastic. Dr. Kathy, we're running out of time. Thank you so much for coming back on again. I can't wait to have you back. Anytime you've got something new coming up, please let us know because it's just, you know, what we like is the positivity. 
Yeah. You know, there's so much hope. There's so much light. There's so much joy in what you write. And it makes parents feel better about the job they're doing. And it gives them more tools to feel more successful with their kids. And it builds a better relationship with parents and children, which also helps them feel better about their job. Mm. Well, thank you for affirming me and what I've done. And thank you for your enthusiasm. I really respect both of you so much. I'd come back and talk about this book one more time if you want. That might be good, uh, yeah. So you keep, let, let's keep in touch. Really appreciate uh, who you've become and the ministry that you have to so many parents. Thanks for the privilege of being oh, with you. Oh, it's our Thank pleasure, Dr. Dr. Kathy. Thanks again. Absolutely. Thanks for listening, Rebels. Thanks for sharing it with your friends. We are growing almost 20% this month. This month alone, 20% growth And that's because you're sharing the podcast with your friends and family. We really do appreciate that. Thanks to Kathy for being on the podcast today. Find out more about Start With a Heart on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Thank you also to The Voice of the Martyrs. Persecution.com is their website, helping those being persecuted for our gospel for more than 50 years. Amazing organization. Thanks also to PolicyGenius.com and SaveTheStorks.com. God bless, Rebels. We'll see you soon. Rebel Parenting is produced by Rebel Media House and when you need a little help with your marriage or parenting, and everyone does, you can find it at rebelparenting.org. Sign up for the Rebel Update by texting the word REBEL to 444-999. That's R-E-B-E-L and the number is 444-999. We love it when you share Rebel Parenting with your friends and family, so thank you. God bless. Thanks for spending your time with us. And we'll see you next time for another episode of Rebel Parenting.